As humans, we know there is something wrong deep inside us. For centuries since the creation of the world, we humans have been one of the biggest threat to ourselves. And yes, it is our sinful nature that keeps dragging us into selfish ambitions, wars, conquests, political movements, disagreements. And it is the result of the lost relationship with the Creator and the purpose that He gave us. But there is hope. It's Saturday, April 2021, and we're taking a look back at this past week where we look at the news at the special card that you will need to return back to normal. Stories where law and order turn into disorder, where Nike enters into a legal battle with Satan's shoes, Biden will rebuild America with a $2 trillion plan, and we try to find out what happened to the church members in America. Welcome to Lifering, a podcast where we strive to provide you with a well-rounded review of what is going on in the world between Monday and Friday of this week. My name is Alex, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Vadim, Daniel. How are you guys? Hello. Hello. How's it? We've actually been promoted this week. Yes. From being behind the scenes and now uh, subbing in for Paul. I got to say, it's some big shoes to fill, but I'm always down for a challenge. (laughs) Big moves. How's your week? Well, I learned a quote from one of our friends that I'd like to share. The only free lunch is the cheese that's in the mouse trap. Only free Think about that. <laughs> the only free <laughs> lunch. Yeah, it's definitely been a solid a catch. Week, though. Um, pretty unfortunate, though. It's been so nice and sunny all week, but it seems like it's going to rain right now as soon as it comes to the weekend. So we'll see. Yeah, I I just sat at home. <laughs> I mean, it was nice weather, but it was just work. And oh, we had church on Thursday. We also have our engineer, Dennis, behind the scenes uh, running everything by himself today. Without helpers, we got to get you a mic, Good Dennis. Good luck, man. Yeah. Anyways, you're, do, you're, you're you're doing great. Well, there are a lot of things going on uh, in the world every week, and this one is no exception. And so, our team at LifeRing spends the week looking at a bunch of stories across various topics. And in the end, we decide top five stories, or probably even subjects, to cover. And as a host, I present three of the five. Then we hit the lightning round, where we ran, run down the other major headlines that we couldn't cover. And right after that, and my co-hosts uh, cover the remaining top five stories. So without further ado, let's get into the first one of the top five. So the first story of the week is titled, or I titled it, Papers, Please. The Emergence of COVID-19 Vaccine Passport. So before we dive into this passport story, here's a word from the CDC director, Rochelle Valensky, where according to the new ever-evolving data, she's got some Good news for some people. We state that fully vaccinated people can resume travel to low, at low risk to themselves. For domestic travel, fully vaccinated people do not need to get a COVID-19 test before or after travel and do not need to self-quarantine after travel. So that was kind of the big news this week is that fully vaccinated people are now allowed to pretty much travel without any kind of restrictions. Well, kind of. She still said that you should mask up and if you're going to another country, you should do a COVID test. Well, last week we went through the list of European countries, looking at what each one does as they face another rising wave of COVID cases. And I remember one of the craziest ideas for me, at least, was the proposal of Denmark for so-called Corona passes. Um, It was like in in both a digital version and and a printed version. Well, this is a slide from New York's uh, governor, government website, I guess. This is um, a pass, essentially, that they're implementing, kind of like the corona pass that we saw Denmark propose, but this is actually in New York, already implemented as of act- as of last Friday or Saturday. It's both available like in digital form and a printed, it's a, like a card with a QR code that contains imported data from a number of different vaccination sites and labs. Now, this card would basically serve to prove that the person meets the standards of entering a place, you know, like a venue for mass gatherings. Like they're actually implemented. This is a real thing that you go and do. And there's a lot of businesses that that participate in this. Yeah, so they became the first state to, to do this. QR system, they say, allows for faster processing in the door. There's two tests on it. So, or the two tests that the QR code would pass. One is, did you have a negative COVID test in the past 72 hours? And another one is, have you been fully, has it been, two weeks since you were fully vaccinated, meaning you received your second dose. So wherever you're going, now you're just show your ID 
and the vaccine passport. So this is like for for mass gatherings, or is it restaurants or restaurants, um, bars, um, movie theaters, anywhere where you have a bunch of people, you know, going. And again, I, from I, I don't think it's strictly enforced right now. What about voting booths? Is that is that too much <laughs> to ask? I mean, Com- compare it now to the Georgia law that passed, right, uh, w- with the whole you know voting and everything, uh, and all the important fixes that they did in the election process. One of the things is that they require voters to have ID in person, or when sending off an absentee ballot, like it requires you to put down a license number, and it has to be exact. If you misspell your or, or incomplete social security number your ballot, you know, might go out of, out of the door. Yeah, yeah, I think that's ridiculous. Like the the fact that there's no outrage about the George about the vaccine passports as compared to the the new voting uh, voting requirements in the Georgia law, it's they just want to practice overreaching authoritarian mechanics basically, even though it's completely unnecessary to have to have a vaccine and be able to go um, go out in public. I mean, we we've, we've been fine thus far. Yeah. It's funny because, like, at the beginning of the pandemic, this was something that only the conspiracy theorists would talk mm-hmm. about, like this whole yep. COVID passport thing. But now the left is ready to fully adopt this crazy idea. But concerning, considering that of all the other th- conspiracy theories we've been hearing over the past year, and it's crazy to see what uh, what's coming next, you the, know? <laughs> this is like the, the fulfillment year of conspiracy theories, you're right. Yeah. There's so much that we thought was out it's, there yeah, so crazy. which got confirmed and so this is one of those and that's why i named it papers please because now it's like not only do you provide an id because it has to match your qr code yeah. but now you have this either card or an app you know and sure it's quick and easy you know in the but like the amount of intrusion into our life you know now you got to carry your papers everywhere uh, I, i'm sure it doesn't need any reference to where that came from. Um, the, the original document that passed in Georgia, uh, the law, that, the voting law, was like 98 pages long, right? So that's quite a long read. I, I briefly want to go over the, what were the decisions that people are complaining right now about? So the liberal, you know, mm-hmm. the liberals are complaining about. So here, here are the major decisions. Uh, number one, time to request a ballot was reduced from six months to three months. And feel free to interrupt at any point. Another thing was absentee ballot applications need to have a license number. And misspellings are incomplete, like social security number will be rejected. You know, when I listen to these, there's are like legit reasons, good things to, yeah. to have in, a, in an election process. It's now illegal for local government agencies, like election officials, to mail out absentee ballots. This uh, also forbids third parties to pre-fill applications for voter. The number of drop boxes, drop boxes are limited and are now indoors and under supervision. So if before it was 24-7 come up and there was a ton of them all over the, the the state. Now they're all indoors and you have to come when, when they're open and somebody actually has to oversee it. Uh, mobile voting centers. So there used to be these RVs driving around the state and, you know, collecting votes are not allowed anymore. The hours are now restricted to nine to five with an exception when the early voting begins four weeks before the election. Counties can decide to extend from between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. But there's a cutoff, t- cutoff time. Like you cannot go past 7 p.m. Uh, no earlier, no later. Another thing was offering food and water. That was a big one in the news. I, I heard about that, but mm-hmm. I, I also heard the governor kind of refuting that, saying that it's only within 150 feet of the polling booth the or the polling. Booth. Okay. Yeah, and the election officials are still able to, are still allowed to give him water at, even within that area. It's just, they're just trying to prevent. Um, people from harassing the voters and coming up to them and oh here's water and and now here's some some voting uh coaching that i'll give you you know it's like yeah they're just trying to prevent all all this harassment right up to the polling booth but and it it seems pretty it seems very logical to me i mean it seems like people are trying to make it make it out to be some kind of like geneva convention violation where in reality you know what it's meant to prevent is uh within a certain distance from the polling booth you'd have someone approach voters and be like hey like you want like this water bottle and then it's wrapped in in like a in like an endorsement for the biden campaign or something like that right so if you look at these these are i mean pretty logical right uh and you would Expect these to be across the country in every single state. Well, here's more. If you go to the wrong polling place, it will be harder to vote. If an election problem arises, there's no extensions now, meaning there's there's kind of a defined time for the election to be over. Uh, another provision is uh, was put in place to allow inspection of ballots as early as two weeks before an election, which, again, they can't start counting, but they can at least start inspecting and seeing. So and the idea here is so that it wouldn't take 
too much time to count the votes, you know, it's like two weeks in and you don't even know who's, who's in the lead because you're now checking through all these ballots and finding a bunch of problems. Uh, election officials can no longer accept third-party funding. Funding. So there was, uh, especially in the bigger urban centers, Center for Tech and Civic Life. Uh, these two organizations are nonprofits founded by or ran by Mark Zuckerberg. So he helped out counties in 2020 by paying for elections. Now this law says, hey, you can't step in and, and off. Because, I mean, again, there's, there's an incentive then to vote along you know, a certain party. What else we've got? Complaints about possible voter intimidation and fraud would previously be run like through local county officials or secretary of state before coming to general attorney. Now it will go directly to his table. Kind of raises the level of seriousness and, and expedites the whole issue. And mm-hmm. so make makes them think twice, if you will. I don't know. Talking about this issue, I think, I think it's, especially speaking from this past election mm-hmm. cycle that had a lot of questions rise. I mean, I think voter ID helps promote the integrity of, of an overall security of an election. It ensures that there's one per, one vote for one person and uh, there's no possibility of deceased voters, right. uh, all of which seem like very logical and simple things. You know, it's like anyone that drives down the road is required to have a, a license to buy exactly. alcohol. You need a license or an ID. And living in this country, you need more verification to book a flight or to, you know, to book a hotel than to vote for the policymakers and leaders of the country. And I think that should say enough, you know, yep. like it's interesting how to me, it's interesting to me how like uh, nobody shows the clips of Governor Kemp uh, comparing their new voting uh, regulations to those uh, c- inconsistently blue Delaware, where uh, which is where Biden is mm-hmm. from. Like he, he says uh, that they have so much more restrictions. He talks about Delaware having zero in-person early voting uh, while Georgia has 17 days of of early voting. Mm-hmm. In Delaware, you need an excuse for an absentee ballot while in Georgia you don't. There are they are mandating at least one ballot drop box per county where Delaware has none. So many of these things that the media wow. is blowing so mm-hmm. out of proportion, mm-hmm. like uh, they're not allowing food, food and water. Like I said before, it's 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 there's it's just to prevent harassment within the first hundred fifty feet. Election officials are still allowed to give them water. It's just people outside of that. I think it's crazy how the media can paint such a bad picture of something that is on many levels better than many existing many of the existing blue states yep and somehow make it look like it's voter suppression yeah i mean it's it's literally the opposite of what the yeah, law is trying to they're accomplish they're expanding many of the the rights and uh the voting than all these other states yeah i think something that really stood out to me when i was listening to to michael nose covering this story mm-hmm. is that he said that when you enfranchise someone who's an illegitimate voter, that's like the best way to to disenfranchise someone who, like us, that would be a legitimate voter. You know, yeah. that's that's the best way to silence existing votes. Yep. And so when you compare these two, you're like, okay, so we're gonna have a COVID passport, but you know, we can't have an ID to vote. It just it it it, it just sounds ridiculous. Well, here's DeSantis. Um, yesterday, the Republican the Republican governor of Florida. Uh, he issued an executive order banning vaccine passports in Florida. Today, he issued an executive order ban- uh, on prohibiting the use of so-called COVID-19 vaccine passports. And he essentially highlighted that the biggest problem, he says, is this would create two classes of citizens. Uh, and he says that the order is put in place then to protect the fundamental rights and privacies of Floridians and ensure that there's a free flow of commerce within the state. So talk about a divided country, right? You got New York setting an example you got florida setting example both jumping on this question of covid passports and you know who's setting a better example depends what you're looking for and how is the country doing overall in general um why all this vaccine passport talk and where is this all coming from well here is uh cdc director again rochelle valensky um commenting on the state of the country as of this week when i first started at cdc about two months ago i made a promise to you I would tell you the truth, even if it was not the news we wanted to hear. Now is one of those times when I have to share the truth and I have to hope and trust you will listen. I'm gonna pause here, I'm gonna lose the script, and I'm gonna reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope, 
But right now, I'm still. And then she went on, obviously, to talk about, you know, the the cases and so on. Like the situation in Northeast and Midwest is is not so good. We're we're currently seeing an uptick in cases, a slight uptick, but it's it's an uptick. And again, again that's overall, particularly like I said, Michigan and Maine, they are hit pretty hard. For example, if you look at Michigan. And Maine, they still have mask mandates this whole time and had them the whole time. Yet, if you look at the map of the USA, you can see that the majority of the U.S. is doing really well. So it's really just a few of these states, right, that are skewing the data. Texas is doing exceptionally well. Here's what the Republican governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, posted on Twitter today, which was yesterday. Today, the seven-day COVID positivity rate dropped to a new record low. Hospitalizations dropped to a six-month low. And this week we have seen a one million first vaccine available. Yeah, it year. seems like there's like you can't draw a correlation between masks yep. and in cases and like distance, whatever. Like it doesn't seem like there's any cor- correlation you can draw at all. And, and yet, and the interesting part is that California still has a mask mandate, and they're actually doing pretty well right now. I wonder if weather has to do anything with that. Texas, in particular, they're going into the fourth week now since they lifted their mask mandate, and they're doing exceptional well. So what's unique about this pandemic, I think, is that it's not so much an outbreak as more of a confusing phenomenon. More than it's more than that, it's it's one of the first truly global experiences. Like every country, every nation got affected and more than an economy or war could do. Like this pandemic has really touched the lives of everyone. And yet, as we keep seeing, our response to COVID is so different from one country to another, from one state to the next. It's almost like we're experimenting. Except either way you take it, lives are at stake. Uh, Some fight for safety, others for freedom, and yet others want both. So what's a good compromise? It's not so clear yet. But what's clear is that at the very least, the government is using COVID, uh, not just in our country, but they're using the whole pandemic to its advantage. And thus, now more than ever, we ought to be vigilant as citizens, pay attention so that our freedoms wouldn't be taken away from us in the broad daylight and possibly in a form of QR code on a card. The second story brings us to the state of law and order here in America. So this week has been filled with hearings uh, concerning the case of the murder of George Floyd, a man who otherwise was a regular guy with a criminal past, killed in an encounter with a police officer who is now on trial. Most people know George Floyd's Floyd's death sparked a national outrage and political activists used the opportunity to plant the narrative of modern-day widespread racism. The trial is still ongoing, of course, with more to come next week. So far in the past five days, 19 witnesses came to the stand, from paramedics to eyewitnesses to the cashier to Mr. Chauvin's, Chauvin's girlfriend. Have you guys seen the video? Well, it's and a, it's your a question of, have, have you seen the video that's like eight minutes long, or have you seen the one that's like 40 minutes long, where it shows him resisting arrest and then getting sure, in and out of the police car? And, I don't know. My position on this topic is that if there is enough evidence that the police officer is guilty, then absolutely he should be punished according to the law. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that it's important not to for these things not to be done out of like emotion or uh, you, you hear so much people right now on Twitter and, and, and on the social media saying that there shouldn't even be a trial, you know, mm-hmm. for him, that he deserves the worst punishment uh, possible. And it's scary how powerful the the online mob can be. You know, it's like the level to which they're able to utilize this power to their advantage. I just hope that this trial is is, is fair and, and right. just, you know. I'm not denying that, you know, there's implicit racial bias in, you know, everyone as people and obviously people serving in the police force. Uh, but it's important for us to, like Daniel said, to not make it an emotional thing because this, that has no place in our in our court systems, I think. That, you know, I, I know personally cases of people that have been uh, martyred, if you will, you know, after after something tragic happened to them, and we know that George Floyd, uh, like he had a drug problem. He was he was hospitalized for an overdose on this same drug. You know, within two mm-hmm. months before this incident. That's not to say that this police officer, who you know, his own coworkers, his colleagues would say that he would like he's kind of a rogue. Yeah. His you know questionable methods, I guess. But in terms of justice. Uh, you know, if he was acting in good faith based on his training and based on based on his work, uh, then, you know, that's uh, that's all we have to read into it. That's what I'm thinking is that I, I don't think the guy was really out to. I mean, he didn't think that it's going to end that way is what it looked like. If he did, he probably would have acted differently. He was just trying. It was it was a abuse of force. It was a or use of excessive force, if you will. Now he has to face the consequences of of his choices. But we'll see where, where, where that comes out. But it's it's definitely a, a very important story. Uh, 
for the country. Police, they have been in the news more than any other time in history, probably, as they are right now. And and more than ever, they're scrutinized for the work they do in order to protect society from itself. And of course, it goes beyond just, you know, police accountability or even supposed question of race. It's the result of human depravity. Uh, depravity. And, and the farther the culture degrades, the more of these outbursts we'll see and, you know, the, the more horrible they get. This week, the country was shaken yet again with another tragic mass shooting, a third one in the past two weeks. Uh, so this is adding to Atlanta boulder shootings that took the lives of eight and ten people, respectively. This one happened in Orange County, or in Orange, California, Orange City, town name, about 30 miles south of LA. There, a nine-year-old boy uh, died in the arms of a woman, along with three others who were found throughout this business complex. They were all killed by a man who knew the victims, either through business or personal relationship. It was an isolated in- incident. And apparently the gunman chained the gates to the entrances two entrances before opening fire now he's in a hospital so is the lady that held the boy who died uh supposedly his mother it's unknown whether the police shot the suspect or it was a self-inflicted wound it's a tragic story a sobering reminder of destructive power of sin now among other tragic stories um of the clash between law and disorder is the story of the Friday Capitol attack. Apparently, a driver smashed his car into the police officers. He tried to ram the barricade at the checkpoints at the Capitol. Now, you know, the Capitol has been surrounded by the fans for a while. They started taking it down this week. Yeah, so this guy apparently rams into them uh, and then runs out with a knife. Uh, he did end up being shot by the police officers. Unfortunately, one of the police officers, one of the two who were rammed by the car, uh, uh, lost his life. The other one was hospitalized with injuries. And it's just crazy to to think, you know, that we talk about defunding the police as there's a better way to handle someone who is mentally not there and lunges at the officers with a knife. I mean, if you watch some of the body cam footage of of, uh, mm-hmm. of police using lethal force or even, you know, anything in a situation like that where someone is either, you can call them mentally unstable, you can say they need a social worker to help them talk things out. But when they're when they're high on some kind of methamphetamine or they're just completely lacking control of, of their inhibitions and their senses, if someone like that comes at you with a knife, you know, I've seen body cam footage where he empties a whole clip into that person and, you see, and he's still running. He's still mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, trying to get at him. So I wouldn't be surprised if police one day uh, would say, enough, send the social worker. Gun control has been, you know, something that came out of these mass shootings and, and people are feeling it. So I looked up about 4%, 4.7 million Americans initiated gun backgrounds checks last month, according to FBI. That's a 36% increase from February, which in itself was a month where people, that was already an increase. So this is a, even a, a bigger increase. More than 2 million of these uh, checks, background checks, were for new gun purchases, according to the National Shooting Sports Federation. And then there's, uh, you know, kind of to sum this up, then there's Baltimore, where the city states... Attorney Marilyn Mosby announced that Baltimore will no longer be prosecuting drug possessions, prostitution, certain traffic violations deemed minor, and other low-level offenses. And all of this um, under the guise of, well, we don't want to overfill the jails with people during the pandemic. Where's the law and who's got the order? Who knows? But one thing is certain that the police force is there to ensure safety and peace in our communities. And they should... We, we should let them do their job and support them in that. Yet there is work to be done in terms of accountability and maybe more training, but I just don't see how defunding or pulling them back from prosecuting crime is going to make things any better. And the third top story, it was some Satan shoes. <laughs> I, I think by now, like, everybody's seen them. Like, what a marketing campaign. I think campaign. I've seen it all at this point. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this third story, you know, it kept unfolding throughout the week. It's the saga of Lil Nas X. LNX for short. Next, okay. Uh, and his recent fun project, project uh, in collaboration with Mischief. Yeah, anyway, so he produced uh, 666 pairs of modified Nike Air Max 97s uh, that has like a pentagram and, and a few other satanic looking elements in there. It contains a drop of blood in the soul. There's an inscription from the Bible there, uh, Luke 10 18, referencing the Satan, Satan falling from heaven. What else? They sold for how do you say that one thousand eighteen dollars each, and they sold out right away. Yeah, there's I, there's some sources say that it sold out like within sixty seconds. Yeah, basically. it was like uh, within within great. the first minute. The marketing team definitely did something right. You know, it's like yeah, he's 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 a singer that was like a one hit wonder. Like he he had one good song, apparent well good in one that came where, out. Yeah, like, 
popular. Whatever, yeah, popular one popular song, and he just went absolutely irrelevant after that. And now to become relevant again, you know, his marketing team did a very good job to get him back into the spotlight. I mean, his music is terrible. You, uh, it's like a four year old trying to string a sentence together with some <laughs> random buzzwords, you know, that he heard throughout the day. And I mean, it's he's definitely trying to get the attention. Uh, but who knows where Nike takes it from here, you know? Yeah, there's definitely a sense that he's trying to capitalize on how much controversy he can create and how much uh, how much noise he can basically rile up. Like, if you if you watched his video, which I unrecommend it, but <laughs> I don't know if he's taking a cue from Cardi B or, like, people that make a splash, I guess, just by how much, how much you can get people to talk about it. I mean, here we are talking about it, right? That's something where... Like, is this guy demonically possessed or is he just trying to, like, cash in somehow on the attention? Yeah, yeah. it's it's a crazy. Like, I think what's most concerning, the left is so quick to cancel people for the most absurd things and for for things people did as teenagers or uh, for sharing different political mm-hmm. v- viewpoint. But this just gets passed on as, like, empowerment or, or art. And it's gotten to the point where they openly promote this disgusting and depraved ideology and shut down and ban Things that have been held at such high mm-hmm. regard for all for so many years. While I don't support uh, banning or canceling people or their content, mm-hmm. he has a, he has all the rights to to release whatever he wants. You know, living in this country, but this is something that is borderline adult content, and it definitely needs to be at least age restricted. You know, on YouTube, considering the things that YouTube has been demonetizing and flagging, in my mind. This should be at the top of their list, you know. And and he did face some criticism and backlash, of course, from the conservative uh, side. And it, like you mentioned, it was because, well, a lot of kids followed his, you know, his previous the old country ro- road song. The, I saw a video of him uh, somewhere in, in one of the schools. I don't remember where, but he was. There was a bunch of five fifth graders, and they were just all singing the song, you know. And he's on stage, and and, and there's a whole room of these, these kids knowing the lyrics by by heart, right? Yeah, and he so, he knew his demographics were like yeah. five year olds. Yeah. It's, it's it's crazy. Like and he came out and he said, you know, it's not my job to uh, control what your kids uh, see or don't see, right? He received he he received quite a backlash. A bunch of kids were subscribed to the channel, and he drop, drops this hell music video. Here's what Christine Noem said in in her recent tweet uh, regarding him. She says, "Our kids are being told that this kind of product is not only okay, it's exclusive." But do you know what's more exclusive? Their God-given eternal soul. We are in a fight for the soul of our nation. We need to fight hard and we need to fight smart. And we have to win. Now, Nike filed a lawsuit, of course, um, because a lot of people boycotted Nike. Uh, They were forced to act. And they won't, kind of. Uh, He sold all 665 pairs and he was going to give away the 666th pair. Um, He can't do that anymore. Because the lawsuit said to pause whatever he's doing. And so, in a sense, there was a backlash. There was a fight. Um, the second part of her tweet, he, he responded to her and said, you're a whole governor and you on here tweeting about some shoes? Do your job, right? And she says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit the soul? Anyways, in the end, um, in the end he's a lost soul. I mean, you know, and, and he's been in church, and the church pushed him away, apparently, and he carries some of that pain. He's desperate for attention. He's probably not being able to be at peace with the choices he's made. And so should we be concerned? Of course. Should we publicly criticize his actions? Yes. But we should also offer a prayer and realize that as a church, we ought to define what is sin, be clear about it, but at the same time, be gentle and loving towards those in our congregations that are struggling and pray that our testimony and the way we share the gospel would be blameless. Welcome to the lightning round where we take the headlines that did not make it into our top stories. Here's the first one. Um, in, in the world of archaeology, this time they found a tire shekel. Uh, why is this important? Well, every time we find a coin or some kind of artifact that dates all the way back to Jesus times, it, it adds an extra... Um, level of evidence to you know to the claim that the gospel makes that this was a historical per- you know Jesus Jesus lived on this earth the facts that we read about his life in the gospels are confirmed by these archaeological discoveries yeah it makes it more tangible more oh, real absolutely. I think like I'm I'm always excited to hear news like this where they when they find something from this time yep and this particular shekel was produced only up to 66 A.D. 
uh, and then of course the revolt, the great revolt came and the destruction of Jerusalem. So this is like in his timeline, you know, like when when they would travel from you know to Jerusalem and remember the time when the money changers and all mm-hmm. of that. This would be a shekel that would be bring, brought from up north to Jerusalem. Yeah, you just know Judas Iscariot was carrying a little a little box of these whenever <laughs> whenever they traveled. Yep. In other news, the state of Utah passes has proposed a law, I guess, requiring mobile phones that are sold in the state to to have a filter on them that filters out like pornographic content and websites. Uh, but this would only take effect if others if other states are passed kind of uh, in contingent with it, right? Yeah. So it's a setting that comes automatically enabled, whether it's an adult or a kid, it doesn't really matter. They're just essential. And again, this is a Mormon. Well, predominant. Can we say it's predominantly yeah, very Mormon much state? so? Yeah. yeah. And and so so yeah, that that was kind of an interesting bill. We'll see where that goes. I I, I don't know where. I mean, it's a good thing. I just want because there there are constitutional concerns, right? That they raised, you know, whether this is infringing on people's privacy and rights or what they can do with the device that they purchase. Yeah, I but mean, from a child perspective, this is absolutely, you know, a great step to to uh, well, in general, this is a great step to have it automatically on. People can turn it off. This week, we got a lot of news about Archegos, the Archegos hedge fund that defaulted, costing. Uh, many banks billions of dollars, uh, money that they likely won't see again. Basically, Archegos was highly leveraged and borrowed billions of dollars from banks to bet on stocks, which ended up not going their way. The banks then made a margin call, which forces you to pay them back, liquidating all your assets. And uh, this all cost uh, Archegos a cool $30 billion. And it's estimated that even after liquidating the millions of equities that Archegos were Mm -hmm. holding, that the banks were still going to lose around like $10 billion. And all that selling caused like a chain reaction in the stock market where other holders of those stocks were wanted to sell because the stock market, the, the stock is plummeting that they're selling. Uh, the, the share prices were hit even more and uh, made Archegos sell out of, at, a, at a very low price, which, you know, is not always a good thing. And um, all of this news really shook the market because nobody knows the full effects of of all of this and how many more hedge funds have been using the same aggressive techniques, mm-hmm. you know. And many people are speculating that banks now will require a lot more um, disclosure in advance that might even uh, begin to, and they might even begin to scale back some of the risk that they, they, that they have with existing borrowers, you know, and, and causing more hedge funds to start liquidating, you know. Banks is going to come and like, oh, you're... We don't want this same thing to happen to us, you know, so sell all, all these risky assets that you own and it, that could cause a, a, great, a bigger market correction. For all the loopholes and bank relations that you can that you can kind of take advantage of and hustle and wheel and deal, you know, you can still lose really big. Right. Um, and that's something to, uh, to be keeping in mind if you're involved in that. Uh, our next story is an article in CNN is being kind of put on blast for propaganda because they asserted that it's not possible to, and the, the exact quote is that, it's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth and there is no consensus criteria for assigning <laughs> sex at birth. And this was, this was posted unironically, which obviously like you can think within a few seconds what the criteria are. But um, this was kind of quietly removed and, uh, and adjusted but I think that we still need to like point this kind of stuff out because they did post it. You know, if it was some kind of editorial mistake, they would come out and like, you know, say that. But they just kind of quietly changed it when it gained a lot of uh, negative attention. Yep, and in the same kind of line, uh, Pentagon actually Pentagon issues a new uh, policy allowing transgender people now to openly serve in the military, and this just essentially reverses the policy that Trump put in place when he became the president. So Governor Cuomo has been in the spotlight a lot recently, and so this is something new that he's that he's decided to do. So New York has now become the 15th state in the country to legalize marijuana. You know, is this a move that we should that we should propagate, or is this a move that we should endorse? Because you know, do we criminalize it now that it's now that it's legal versus like, hey, it's not legal right now? Do we push to make it legal? And I think there's a difference. I think it's one of those issues where. Um it's a personal choice. Um, 
you know, we probably should focus on things that are more important, things that damage, do, do much more damage. It, it should still be criminal, obviously, to be under the influence of the drug. Right. But right. whether a person takes it or not, it's like alcohol. I don't see the difference between one or the other. The people that were going to get it would still get it, but now the government's making the money or the people owning those shops, you know. Speaking of drugs, drugs coming through the south border as the border is now open. There's a lot of there's been a surge because Biden. We're not said, allowed to say that. Not allowed to use the word surge. But Biden opened the borders essentially, and a, and a bunch of people, not just from South America, from all over the world, are now going through the border. The new poll that was done on, um, you know, to measure uh, people's approval of Biden's immigration policy said that only 53 percent of Americans do not agree with Biden's border policies, which is. Kind of surprising. Uh, and in other international news, uh, we uh, there's a story going around about the Chinese Communist Party uh, shutting down a house church in China, and so they kind of seized their property. They brought uh, they brought military over and had you know truckloads of being uh, taken away the property of this church. And so there's an index there's an index that scores kind of government restrictions of religion on countries. And so out of 198, China does rate the highest. Um, and so some of their uh, restrictions, I guess, includes, you know, banning li- religious groups, you know, prohibiting certain religious practices, raiding places of worship, and detaining or torturing individuals. So uh, definitely something that we, uh, that should be more exposed and something that should be researched more, uh, because this is the kind of stuff that tends to fly under the radar just because it's not happening in our backyard doesn't mean uh, that we shouldn't care about it. And especially, you know, not just the Christian groups, but, you know, Uyghur Muslims and the, and the re-education camps that are happening as we speak. Out of 198 countries at the top. Well, in our own country, um, Bishop William Love ended up being disciplined by U.S. Episcopal Church for refusing to bless same-sex marriages as left in the denomination. Uh, and he apparently joined, I think, the Anglicans. But this is an interesting turn in the whole, you know, like the church basically came out and said that we are, you know, supporting same-sex marriages and, and, and support blessing them. Mm-hmm. And here's an example of a pastor or a bishop in this case, right, who, who stood against that and now has to change a denomination in order to stay true to the word of God. What have we come to? Yeah, it's definitely concerning how far this is going. Our next uh, story is has to do a little bit with technology. has to do a little bit with, uh, we had April Fool's Day. Uh, and so Volkswagen thought they would be cute by announcing that they're changing their name <laughs> to Volts, Volkswagen with yep. a T. Uh, and so the people kind of were like confused. And then they were like, ah, it's a prank. And then they had some pretty ghetto puns like <laughs> on their Twitter. They're like, what happened? <laughs> and then with a v? like W-A-T-T. <laughs> Uh, and then the tweet explained that, you know, oh, we started this as a joke, but we got the whole world buzzing. Oh, and then, uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So who's to say that Germans don't have a sense of humor? Yeah. And also in another uh, another story, there's a there's an actress that was on The Office for a very brief uh, episode. And I'm not going to mention her name because obviously she doesn't want to be associated with this. But uh, she calls out the problematic Asian stereotypes uh, in a Benihana Christmas which is an episode from The Office. Which is also comedy. Yeah, which is comedy. And like the idea of the Michael Scott character is that he is completely incompetent. And as much as he tries to be be liked and accepted, that he just fumbles through, that he just kind of fumbles through many social situations. And so like uh, we watched it, laughed at it. I thought it was pretty harmless, but... But that's the thing is that, that, you know, so comedy in, in America, at least, is nothing is off limits. I mean, should we as Christians be, I don't know, Picking it when, you know, saying that that all comedy that that has to do with uh, Christianity should stop all of a sudden, right? Like, should we boycott? Yeah, she's all of that? she's I mean, just getting in a, before the the cancel mob gets to her, you know. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's probably spot on. That yeah. um, well, uh, in other news, Virgin Galactic, the the space tourism company that hopes to send its first customers to space next year, unveiled a new spacecraft design on Tuesday that we have a picture of here, right? Um, it's got a sleek new design a nice mirror finish and it's their third version the second one which spent the second one spent over a decade in testing the space plane is uh, designed to be more easily manufactured and be durable enough to help the company achieve its goal of flying uh, 400 trips to suborbital space each year 
Virgin Galactic says that it has about 600 customers so far, and the company is expecting to reopen ticket sales soon. The new tickets are expected to be priced upwards of $250,000. A bit expensive for my budget, but it's definitely it's nice to, to see this technology getting better <laughs> and something that is actually becoming a reality. So is it like taking a plane ride, but higher or is it is this are you going to be able to fly like i mean around the moon i don't I feel know like you're gonna I, I feel like you're gonna experience zero gravity i think that's one of the things but another story that uh, showed up in the news this friday well this is a tragic event that happened in taiwan uh it's the biggest actually uh accident or not disaster that um you know to hit the island 51 people uh were killed in a derailment of a train and it happened like inside the tunnel so that even added to the whole problem. There was just, it, it was it was a horrible scene. I haven't looked at the videos yet, but just uh, skimming through the article, uh, it describes that this was this was a very tough re- tough rescue. You know, trying to do it in the tunnel with the train being you know on its side. Yeah, uh, it's a, people it's a, all one on top of another. Yeah, it's a horrible tragedy. I I know that there was a construction site that was happening like right outside the tunnel or something, mm-hmm. and then somebody like forgot to put their parking brake on the on like a big truck, and then it backed onto the it like rolled back onto oh, the boy. rails, and mm-hmm. so the train collided mm-hmm. with that. And so I mean, this story, you know, tragic as it as it is, like these things happen. Uh, these are real hazards when you're working with you know light rail systems and. Uh, you know, infrastructure updates mm-hmm. and well, something to keep in mind when we're talking about our next uh, when Daniel covers this story. So, uh, in other news, uh, season two of of Chosen, the TV show, uh, the TV show depicting the life of Jesus, uh, it pre- it will premiere on Easter Sunday, which is tomorrow, and we're all really excited. I know. Well, so I, I can't so speak for everyone, but I'm excited. So my wife watched it. You haven't. No, I have not, but I'm uh, I'm definitely I interested. Wanna, I want to st- I want to get started on that. Tell me about it. Yeah, I've heard so a lot it's, of good reviews. Yeah. It it basically takes a lot of a lot of narratives and stories from the New Testament and kind of fleshes them out, adds a lot adds more kind of uh adds more of a plot uh context to it. Fills in the gaps. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean it seems like they did a lot of research, a lot of historical elements are added into it. Um as far as as far as being scripturally accurate, I haven't seen anything so far that contradicts scripture, you know. So uh, but definitely, you know, keep them accountable for it because we do know that uh a lot of these other adaptations have taken like serious creative mm-hmm. liberties. But this is like so far it's been solid. Well that's it for today's lightning round. And now let's get to our fourth out of five top stories so this week uh biden revealed his two trillion dollar infrastructure bill that he called the american jobs plan it's funny how it's becoming less and less crazy seeing hearing these insane numbers from all the previous stimulus checks that we've been getting and all the spending that's being proposed it's actually quite concerning seems like money has like no meaning anymore just i even heard the renowned brilliant big thinker of today's time, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, calling for an even greater $10 trillion in spending because oh um, why yeah, not? What was that? I feel like the <laughs> is was that just kind of a ruse to make us desensitize? Like, oh, like $2 trillion, that's nothing. Look at what she's proposing. Yeah, uh, you know. yeah it's crazy. So uh, to break it down, uh, this proposed bill... Uh, it's it's kind of broken down into four big sections, and I'll point out some of the allocations within each section. So to start off, the biggest chunk is summarized as care economy or quality of life at home, which is a total of $650 billion. This includes uh, $213 billion to build, preserve, and retrofit more than 2 million affordable homes and commercial buildings. $111 billion would go towards clean drinking water, including replacement of all lead pipes and service lines. 100 billion for constructing and modernizing public schools. 100 billion would go uh, would be used to build high-speed broadband networks throughout the throughout the country. The goal would be to uh, for broadband to become universal for all Americans and to drive down the costs uh, for internet. The next biggest section is transportation uh, infrastructure, costing uh, 621 billion. Uh, 28% of this, or $174 billion, would be used on electric vehicles, adding EVs to the government fleet uh, and even making electric school buses. I think they were saying about like 20, 20% they want to make uh, electric school buses. 
Uh, it's all, it also includes funding to have a network of like 500,000 charging stations across the country. And just just to compare, there's there are currently 168,000 gas oh, stations. Man, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot more. Yeah. Um, 150 billion of this section would pay for fixing roads and bridges uh, chosen by those in need of most repairs. So they'd have like a uh, a list of priority. Uh, $85 billion is set aside for modernizing transit systems and $80 billion for a growing uh, backlog of Amtrak repairs as well as improvements in route expansion. Okay, I have, I have contention with that because, <laughs> first of all, Amtrak is a disaster. We, have, uh, we had an accident two, like, two years ago or something where it just, it just flew off the rails um, and nobody uses it and they're already sitting on... They're already sitting on like a billion dollars of Yeah, they've of been funding. getting funding this whole time. The COVID bill that just passed gave them an extra billion and a half or or maybe a billion. Uh and like this isn't even money that they're that they've used yet and now this is throwing eighty billion dollars. Yeah, That's it's, just it's it's crazy numbers. Definitely like it definitely seems like very inflated numbers. Like the, so the third section is $400 billion to caregivers for elderly and people with disabilities to improve access to quality, affordable home or community-based care for the elderly and people with disabilities. It would expand a Medicaid program to make more services available and eliminate a backlog that prevents thousands from getting care. And it would also boost pay for the care workers. So I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess this is more in the in the jobs section. So that's what many Republicans have a problem with this. Like you're calling it an infrastructure bill where right, like a such a small amount is actually dedicated to things that we uh, know as infrastructure, roads, buildings uh, or roads, bridges, you know, things like that. And so the last uh, section is research, development and manufacturing that would get three hundred billion and this includes support for domestic produ- production of technologies and critical goods. And this section has like many different places, like getting allocated uh, money, getting allocated in many different places. And, and I, I chose some of the interesting ones that I saw. Like fifty billion would go towards semiconductor manufacture, ma- manufacturing and research, uh, kind of like a response to the the global chip mm-hmm. shortage that we've been having. Uh, $50 billion would go to the National Science Foundation for new technology. $35 billion aimed at research and development to climate change, something that the Republicans will definitely oppose, and $30 billion uh, to prepare for future pandemics. So paying for it, uh, to pay for it, Biden wants to raise the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%. He's kind of like trying to go in between because before Trump dropped the taxes to 21 or to 21 percent they were at 35 percent so he's kind of like oh trying to i guess appeal to the republicans in this way but uh and and increase the minimum tax on u.s multinational corporations from 10.5 percent to 21 percent so like overseas revenue Mm. or whatever okay and eliminate uh current tax exemption on profits on foreign investments basically the second part of that is talking about like uh, the multinational companies that allegedly would establish uh, subsidiaries in low tax havens like Ireland and Bermuda, and then like as, kind of as a backdoor way of protecting profits from U.S. collectors. And so, like an American uh, manufacturer, for example, could buy goods from its Ireland-based subsidiary, uh, and book profits at a lower rate, and sell the goods in the United States. So the White House even went as far as to say that they're expecting the bill to be fully paid in 15 years. And then after that, it would reduce deficits in the following years. So it's definitely uh, ambitious. So what are you guys' thoughts on all this? Do you think that it's it will be as beneficial as they say that it is? And what 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 are the allocations that kind of surprised you? Well, uh, to me, it just sounds like a <laughs> glass sandwich, you know, filled with glass. Like it's, it's still a good sandwich, you know, good sandwich. Right, <laughs> but when you're chewing it, you're not going to get the benefits that you were hoping to get out of it, and that's what I think is that there's a bunch of here mixed that like yeah we we need that yeah but then also this social agenda is and 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 you know the the global warming, uh, the climate change is also brought into it and so it's just it's just this weird yeah, sandwich it seems of so overblown and like excessive on many fronts yeah there's definitely uh you know you look at these numbers are just staggering like. Let's not forget that this is a $2 trillion bill. 
that's being proposed. Yeah, so I, like, I saw I saw like a, a a comparison. It's like it's more than more. It it, it two two trillion dollars is more than Apple's revenue for the past eighteen years. Like yeah. all the iPhones, mm-hmm. all the iPads, mm-hmm. not not profit, like total revenue. Past eighteen years combined, it's almost it, like it's he's crazy. trying to fix America, like with this one bill. Just <laughs> yeah, let's let's just especially yeah. like well, com- coming coming back from like a, a, an economy shut down. You know, it's, and you said fifteen years to pay it back. Some yeah, they, they, they say it's it's gonna take fifteen years to pay it back, and after that, it's just gonna it's gonna pay, start paying back or start uh, cutting back the. What do you think the thirty billion dollars to prepare for future pandemics is funding? That's a lot that's of some, money. But that's something we got to look into. Are we prepared yeah, for this? How much can you do with thirty billion? Research dollars? and development for the new uh, virus. Are we gonna just buy masks for everybody <laughs> and mandate yeah, them to wear? I don't know. Huge uh, stockpile. For for me, the whole twenty one percent, you know, increase to twenty eight percent. This is not just gonna hit. You know, I mean, there's small corporations out there. You know, a, a lady down the street might have a, a you know an S corp. And now she will pay twenty eight percent along with the bigger corporations. Yeah, it's like it's so funny. It, it's ironic how like oh the uh, the left is so against like funding like big business, big corporations or whatever, and yet like all of this money is gonna go to big business and big corporations. Like they're they're essentially subsidizing them mm-hmm. through all these things. You know, like Mitch McConnell said, it's like a Trojan horse. Like he he was commenting on this. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called infrastructure, but inside the Trojan horse is going to be more borrowed money and massive tax increases on all the productive parts of our economy. And I happen to agree with a lot what we're mm-hmm. saying, especially when comparing it to the stimulus packages that the Democrats have been pushing for that included billions of dollars funding their partisan wish list, you know, of, of things that had absolutely nothing to do with the pandemic. So... But from like speaking for a stock market perspective, it, it, it's definitely a, a very bullish, very definitely bullish, very bullish news because uh, many sec- many sectors are going to benefit from this, from all this extra influx of new cash and government subsidies right. should this bill pass, you know. So from a stock market perspective, is it, I mean, it, it's going to definitely make stocks go up, <laughs> but like... Uh, it's I don't know. It's is but right for now it's just a twenty five page document of suggestions. Um, legislators haven't even started drafting it, so uh, he this, was saying that, that he's open to suggestions yeah, to have it a means debate that on it. Doll, mm. The dollar cost and the specific allocations can still change, but it definitely will be interesting to watch how it all develops. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. I think uh, something else that caught my attention. The headline basically is that uh, there's a declining church attendance with 47% of U.S. adults uh, saying that they belong to a place of worship. So that could be a church, a synagogue, mm-hmm. or a mosque. Mm-hmm. And so following a trend of decline uh, that started since the since about 2000, moving parts. 2000 was but like a, definitely culture change, I think, and, and more liberal views affected probably that. Yeah. And, and that should tell you a lot about the trajectory that we've been heading in. Yeah, I feel a lot of the woke. Just coming back to these statistics, there's two main trends that Gallup highlighted in their in their overview. So there's a rising number of people who claim no religious affiliation, and there's a rising number of people with religious preference, but they're not going to church. And so, like we, you know, we could talk about COVID and people are not allowed to go to church and all that stuff in this in this past year, uh, and I'm sure that contributed to it, but. You know, there's online church. There's, uh, you know, there's alternatives, kind of. So 64 to 87% of people that were polled claim to believe in God, according to, uh, this is three years ago in the survey. Mm-hmm. So depending on how the question was phrased, right? So that's the key. So was it a yes or no question, or were they asked, are you convinced in the existence of mm-hmm. God? And so this indicates a movement towards a belief system or cult following, if you will, of people that claim to be spiritual but not religious. So I think this is a generational thing. Uh, you know, as as our culture progresses, uh, for better or for worse, there's kind of there's an aversion uh, to rules and uh, people 
feel insecure about having their merit being evaluated based on how they follow rules. So that's why there's a push against religion, per se. This is just a phenomenon of people that fall victim to the times they live in. So young people, they grow up in a progressive culture, and they're put off by instances where the church and the world will clash. So, like, uh, stances on abortion, stances on gay marriage, uh, you know, balancing grace versus licentiousness. Uh, or even worship styles, things like that. Because the generation difference is so significant, if Dennis can, if you can show the chart with, uh, that shows the statistics based on generations. So church membership is strongly correlated with age. 66% of traditionalists, uh, the people born before 1946, belong to a church. You know, after that, it goes 58% for the boomer population, 50% for Gen X, and 36% of millennials. Gen Z is kind of around the same. So it begs the question, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of... Uh, what serves better for keeping the faith? Uh, are, we, are we seeking for solutions to open more churches, like we have churches like The Porch or Hungry Generation? They cater to a young millennial audience, kind of an emerging uh, phenomenon. Or is it more, more kind of within existing traditional churches, uh, like, for example, the ones, the ones we might go to? Is, you know, do we need more intentional generation bridging? Because you really can't have both. Uh, you have kind of youthful churches that are poaching from the traditionalist or maybe bringing in new, new reformed people. I think the problem arises from, um, <clears throat> excuse me, growing independence of, of people. Like, in general, we're, we're, we're much better off than we were before. We, we tend, and especially so during the pandemic, you know, we're just leading these isolated lives where, you know, we're in control of what's in front of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that reflects in the church as well, meaning, you know, I can read the Bible at home. I could, um, you, you know, all the, there's so many different churches out there and none of them is perfect. So I'll just believe in God and, you know, look in the Bible from time to time, watch a sermon. And I think it comes from the idea of this independence that's been, people been raised with that independence. And I think this is uh, the results of that upbringing. Because at the end, what's going to keep the faith is, when it's passed down in the family. I think church plays a role, but not as significant as the family. And so if it wasn't passed down through the family, then no matter you know what you're going to do, if the person went to church only because their parents did, right, and does not have a personal relationship, then we're, we're going to continue to see this decline. So yeah, there's a question of independence. Uh, but I would argue that, you know, in the pandemic uh, that we just went through, like there was kind of a kind of a nostalgia for for live in-person fellowship and things like that. Like people were isolated away from their homes. Maybe it made them miss people. Maybe it, maybe it made them uh, kind of reflect on how important human connection is and stuff like that. So I think that, yes, there is independence, but there is there's an element where independence is uh, kind of a pushing away of people around you versus uh, versus striving for your own goals and achievements. So, so that's what I thought of. Like I feel like independence played a big role in it. Because you raise this, you know, we're in the, we're Americans, right? We're independent, and it and it was a recent thing. Before it was communal, like you you were part of a society. You had values that we all sort of sure there were social m- movements, but they were on the fringes. So I think that element will bring us back to more of a communal mindset, um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we see this decline, you know, whatever reason we bring to it. And, you know, uh, we talk about young millennial churches versus generation gap gap bridging uh, in traditional churches. I think both can be beneficial as long as they preach a gospel that convicts the depraved soul, as long as they preach the gospel that uh, promotes, you know, the redemption of Christ. So uh, that's something I think we'll be seeing as we kind of reopen, as we have people coming back to church. This does show a decline in church attendance uh, any way you slice it. So we do see kind of a culture that's more opposing to Christianity and just kind of tacking on all these things to be associated with with followers of Christianity. Um, We do know that there's a lot of people locally that are moving out of state uh, for various reasons, but a lot of it is kind of these attitudes that that are being brought up. Uh, so what do you guys think? Maybe food for thought. Is it better to live in a culture that strongly opposes Christianity and then you have a more distinct black and white versus uh, a culture that we've been living through that America has been, I think it's safe to say, for the past few decades where it rewards professing Christians and places them in a privileged position? For, I guess for me, you'd have to like define the word better because I think looking back at our ancestors you know, in, in the Soviet Union being 
put into prison and killed uh, for the faith. I don't think they would say it's necessarily better, but their faith was definitely stronger. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to live in a culture that rewards professing your beliefs in a way. And in a way, I think that leads people to uh, becoming lukewarm believers, you know, where it's no longer either uh, death or freedom, black or white. It becomes very grayish and, and then the lines kind of get washed away. Well, that's all for the stories for this week. Uh, there was one main story that was observed by all Christians around the world. And, uh, you know, they called this week a good week and for the goodest reason of all. It is the week that brought hope into this broken world. So, as always, we would like to remind you that there is no better news on any given day than the good news of Jesus Christ, who died for the sins of the world. And as we know, death couldn't hold him. And so he rose on a third day. And Christians around the world are a testimony uh, to the fact, uh, to this fact, that lives are changed, not because of the power of the will or because, you know, we, we try so hard, but because of the power of resurrection. So we encourage you to seek Jesus if you haven't already. Thank you for listening to Life Ring, and we'll see you next week. Later. See ya.